Father, if it is above all names, then it's above the name of cancer, sickness, and disease, arthritis, pains, and agony, Father. That name is above every sickness and disease in the earth. Father, you came to free mankind from the shackles of sickness and disease, of chronic sickness, of terminal sickness, Father, of debilitating sickness. But Father, you even came to heal us of the minor ailments that we have in our lives. Father, you desire us to live lives that are free from sickness and disease so we are well able physically to accomplish all that you desire for us to do in this earth. So Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. Um, you know, you think he'd want us to be well because don't we have a lot of work to do in the earth? Amen. We've got a lot of things to do and accomplish. And if you're up and uh, held up in bed because you're not well enough to get out of bed um, to uh, do anything, and of course, we don't condemn anybody who's in that state uh, or judge them or belittle them or anything like that. Uh, but sometimes people are of the opinion that, well, God wants me to be sick or, you know, really odd things like that. But the truth of the matter is, from the word of God, it's clear that the Lord desires us to be well all the time. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we thank him for that. Amen. And so uh, in order to, to do that, to believe that, then really our foundation is in the word of God. And it's not um, um, it's not our own philosophy, our own ideas. It's just what the word of God says. Amen. So let's open up our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 5. We'll get started there today. And when we read the uh, stories in the scriptures, especially of uh, uh, the stories with Jesus, and I've always wondered why people have a hard time of, you, we see what, see what Jesus did. Well, why is it hard to extrapolate that and say, well, then that's clearly the word of God, the will of God, right? If all Jesus did was run around and heal everybody, I mean, every time he came into contact with people, he healed them. And how is that not the will of God? In fact, he came to do the will of God, right? He came to do the will of God. And he's an express image and likeness of God, right? Uh, in fact, that's what the word of God says of Jesus, that he's an express image and likeness of God. And, and he came to display the will of the Father to the earth, amen? Uh, and so uh, when he was healing, what was he doing? He was showing us that this is my Father's will. My, my Father's desire is that people are free from sickness and disease. Amen. And you remember we read in Mark chapter 6 about how he could do, there do no mighty works except laid his hands on a few sick or sickly folks, you know, minor ailments. Uh, but to me, that's still good news because sometimes with our minor ailments, we think, well, I'll just put up with that. You know, that's just, that's just part of my lot in life to bear. I'll just put up with that. But no, Jesus healed uh, those minor ailments because that's as far as he could go because of their level of faith and disdain for him uh, where they uh, he was offensive to them. He healed them of their minor aches and pains because that's as far as their faith allowed them to go. So wouldn't he have healed those minor aches and pains in an area or an environment of great faith uh, along with the, the major sicknesses and diseases? I mean, if if all you've got is a... Uh, uh, quote, a minor ache, right? I mean, you know, I'm not trying to belittle anybody's ache. Or, you, you know, usually my aches and pains are small. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that compared to, say, terminal illness, you know, a scratch that you have to, you know, is itchy all the time is not quite the same, same uh, uh, disease, right? So if Jesus would heal the minor ones in an environment of doubt and unbelief, wouldn't he also heal the minor ones in, a, in an environment of great faith? Well, surely he would, right? I mean, he's not like, well, too much faith here to heal that. I mean, well, that didn't make any sense, right? Too much faith to heal small things, right? Um, and so, um, so we should use the stories of Jesus as a, a, an observation and an understanding that this is clearly the will of God, amen? That uh, his, his desire uh, is to always heal us. And was there ever a case where he didn't heal anybody? Where he said, I do not want to heal you. Now, you know, we got close with a Syrophoenician woman, but uh, she came through and still got her daughter healed, right? Uh, and so, and it really wasn't that close. <clears throat> if we understand what was going on, it wasn't close at all, right? It wasn't like he was saying, I don't want to heal you. Um, and so, 
So I don't know. I just uh, uh, I have a hard time with some people who really they honestly believe, sincerely believe that it's God's will and desire to to either allow them to be sick or put sickness on them. Amen. <clears throat> and then you get some situations where people have done some things wrong and they think that God is punishing them right uh, with a sickness and disease. <clears throat> and does God use uh, sickness and disease to chastise us? No, he doesn't use sickness and disease to chastise us. Um, and again, how do we know? Because that's what the Bible shows us, right? Uh, uh, and to me, the answer to all controversy is, well, let's just see what the word says. Amen. Seems like that's pretty good. You know, uh, uh, when, when, when we're at home and we're playing games, you know, we start arguing about, well, you should have done this or you should have done that. You know what we do? We go to the rule book. And the rule book answers everything, right? Whatever the rule book says, even if we don't like it, that's, well, that's, that's what the rule book says. And we may say, well, that's a dumb rule, you know, but um, uh, we don't say that about the Bible, but, you know, but we go, to the, we go to the true source, right? We go to the source of who should know how this game is to be played. Well, who should know how this life on earth should be lived? Well, that would be the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, and so, so uh, Dr. Yeomans has been going through the different healing uh, scriptures and healing examples, and she got here to uh, Luke chapter 5, and so we're going to read about uh, the man that was born from, by his four friends, and uh, let's start here in verse 16, it says, and he withdrew, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed, and it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal him. And that word power there is the supernatural miracle working power, right? It's dunamis. It's, it's the, the power of God that causes the healing to take place. <clears throat> so, so you had all these important people, Pharisees, doctors of the law, sitting by, you know, uh, and were out of every town in Galilee, and the power of the Lord was present to heal him. But then how many of them received healing? None, because it says he's, he was there to heal them. So clearly them that were there needed some healing, but none of them received healing, right? Uh, and so I think we talked about this verse in the area of the anointing and how uh, there was no anointing that went forth from Jesus because there was nobody drawing upon that anointing. The anointing was there to heal. This is the power of the Lord was present to heal, right? Which is the anointing of God. It's, it's the same thing. And you see power, glory, or grace. It's all talking about the Spirit of God, right? It's all talking about the Holy Spirit and his operation in the earth. And so the, the power of the Holy Spirit was there to heal them, <clears throat> but nobody drew upon that power. So if nobody draws upon that power, it will remain ineffective until somebody chooses to, to draw on that power and, and make, a, make a demand, so to speak, on that power. Hey, I need, I need some help from that power. Uh, and so, uh, and then it says in verse 18, and behold, Men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, which a palsy is, is a type of paralysis. Uh, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before them. And when they could find no, could, when they could not find, but what, what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. <clears throat> and this is an amazing statement because. Uh, all of these people are in the way. They're not doing any good, not helping anybody out. All they are in, the, are in the way of other people getting blessed. You ever seen people that just all they are is in the way? They're just in the way, right? They're not, they don't care about what Jesus is saying. They're there because, well, he's, the, you know, he's this cool you know, healer, miracle guy. And so we want to be in the cool, hip crowd. So we're going to go. And they don't care what Jesus is saying. They don't care what Jesus is doing. They don't care that the power of the Lord is there to heal them. Uh, they're just in the way. Uh, in fact, that's what it says, right? Uh, they they uh, sought means to bring him in uh, and to, uh, to lay him before them. Uh, and uh, why, why did they have to seek means to bring him in? Because they could not find but what, what, what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. So... <clears throat> And, you know, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, the biggest uh, and the harshest criticism he ever had was always to the Pharisees, wasn't it? To the religious leaders, sometimes Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, doctors of the law, all those, that class of people, right? Uh, he always had the harshest criticism for those. 
Uh, I mean, the woman caught in the very act of adultery. All he told her was go and sin no more, right? Uh, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Uh, but uh, these doctors of the law and Pharisees, he would call them whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men, bones, vi- uh, vipers, right? Snakes. You are of your father, the devil. He has a very harsh criticism for them, didn't he? And why? Because they're in the way. It just, it just so, it's got to be so annoying to the Lord Jesus. You know, people just taking up air and keeping other people who want the power of God operating in their life. They can't get there because, well, they're there, right? Because all these important people are there. Uh, and, and, you know, I have been in meetings before where it was filled up with all kinds of important people, you know, people that just want to even talk to you, you know, right? Because you're just, well, you're the riffraff, right? Who are you? Oh, well, I just, I'm just visiting. Oh, well, you know, you don't have a thousand member church? No. Oh, well. Uh, and, and they're going to suck up all the air and, and just be in the way, right? And they're not there hanging on the words of the minister, you know, trying to pull from what the Lord's given to that minister. They're just there because, you know, look at me, right? Uh, I mean, nothing's changed. It's, there's still people like that. There will always be people like that till the Lord Jesus comes back. Uh, there's just going to be people in the way. Amen. So what, a, what, a, what do people of faith do about people that are in the way? They find their own way, don't they, right? Uh, it doesn't matter, right? They're going to find their way. And, and that's the thing about faith. Faith will always find the way. You know, faith is always, uh, how many people would get to the same situation and go, I guess it wasn't God's will for us to be in this meeting today, right? We talked about that, so you all know the right answer today, right? Uh, I guess it wasn't God's will. There's no chairs available, no seats available. I guess it wasn't God's will for me to be in this meeting, right? Well, you know, you can stand up, right? Oh, I'm not standing up. You stand up. Uh, you know, in America, we're so touchy about, you know, unless everything's perfect, you know, we can't can't be happy. Uh, but faith doesn't care about anything except the goal. Right. What's the goal? This man needs to be healed. Nothing else matters. The crowd doesn't matter. The fact there's no room to get in there doesn't matter. The fact that they, they have to go up on the roof doesn't matter, you know. And I've always thought about this. I mean, they're having to to uh, break and enter basically this fellow's house. Right. I mean, they're they're. If I was the owner of this house, even if, I, you know, even today, and I had people at my house and it's packed and somebody could get in, they, they cut a hole in the roof, I'd, I, you know, I might get a little annoyed. I don't know. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you could have just asked, right? I'd have found a way to get you in, you know, but um, Jesus didn't seem to be too upset about it. Hey, you know, you need to file a claim to the insurance after that, right? Uh, no, but, you know, faith, faith will find a way. Uh, and. And for us, you know, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want whatever it is that you have need of, right? And that's the thing that I, I, I find. That's, to me, that, that's the difference that I find between people who will be successful and people who will have a mediocre life all their days of their life. The people that, that will be successful in whatever endeavor, spiritually, naturally, mentally, physically, it doesn't matter what it is, but the people that uh, will find the way, uh, they will always be successful. And, th- and these folks had to find the way then. It didn't matter. They didn't, they didn't turn and leave. They didn't get mad and, and offended. You know, they, did, they didn't uh, make a scene as far as, you know, hey, you get out of here, you know, and uh, uh, they, they left all those uh, people that were just taking up air to themselves, right? They didn't rebuke them or correct them, uh, but they found a way, amen? So faith will find a way. Uh, so how much faith do you have, right? How much faith uh, do you live in? Are you going to find the way? Are you going to find the answer? You know, they're, they're, they, we all have problems in our lives that come up. And, you know, sometimes uh, when we come up against those problems, what's our response? I guess that's just my lot in life to bear. That's not the way, right? That's, what, that's not what this fella did. They didn't say, well, I guess he's just not supposed to get healed, right? I guess that he's just supposed to be uh, uh, a paralytic all the days of his, uh, all the days of his life. Uh, how many times have we come up against something that we thought was insurmountable? And just accept it because we couldn't we, we couldn't find a way or we wouldn't find a way. Right. Uh, and take and do whatever it takes. And so I really like this story because this fella, he's going to do whatever it takes. Right. Yeah. So whoever this fella is, he's got some really great friends. Right. Because, you know, they had to carry him around to the front door and the front door and they tried to get in with the stretcher. Right. And hey, you know, can we get through? Can we get through? And, you know, banging the stretcher and the guy's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm on the stretcher, you know, and <laughs> and, and, and so then they had back up. And then they look around and they go, well, let's just go up on the roof. And the guy's like, well, what are we doing here? Uh, we're going on the roof. Uh, and the guy's like, sounds good to me. Let's go, boys. You know, just don't drop me because he's, par- he's a paralytic. He's nothing he could do about it. Right. 
And besides, what if he said no? It didn't matter. He's a paralytic, right? So you're going anyway. Shut up. We're going. Uh, he's had some really good friends, right? Uh, and, and I appreciate that about it. Because uh, they're friends. Because, you know, you need to be around people of faith. Amen? Sometimes people want to be around people that are just like to, you know, they're kind of halfway in the world, halfway in the church. Ah, you know, that just wearies me. I mean, it just, you know, I mean, I don't mind helping people and trying to help them. But uh, they can't be my friends because I'm wanting to go somewhere. And I want some people that's going to get me. And if, and if I can't get there, I want them to carry me on the roof and get me there. I don't know when people go, well, wouldn't it be nice to get in there, right? Too bad we can't get in there. And they walk away. Well, thanks for your help, you know. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to surround myself with people like that. Great people of faith. Yeah. You know, we're going, fixing to go down to Pensacola. And one reason why we like going there and hanging around uh, people with Brother Randy's crowd is they're great people of faith. You know, just they love faith. They love the word. They love, they love the spirit of God. And, and um, it's just encouraging to be around there. Amen. And, you know, I don't care if they, hey, let me drag you up on the roof. You know, every now and then you may have to help somebody up on the roof because they're paralyzed. And, uh, you know, it's a great parable. I mean, it's not a parable, but you could use it as a parable. To how many people do you know in your life that are paralyzed in faith? They can't do it on their own. Uh, well, step up, right? Hey, I'm going to drag you up on the roof. Shut up. Get on the, get on the cot, you know, uh, and do it. And, and so, uh, so they went up. Uh, they, they let him down. They went up on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Wouldn't that be a sight to see? You know, I'm sitting up here and all of a sudden the, the roof opens up and somebody letting a cot down. Right. I mean, with this guy on it. Uh, and I mean, right in the middle of a sermon. Right. I don't know what he's saying or doing or anything, but, you know, right in the middle of a sermon. And, and did Jesus get mad? No, uh, that's the thing about Jesus. You know, he just never got mad. Somebody, he, anything about faith never bothered him. No matter, no matter what, how awkward it would be. I mean, this would be pretty awkward, right? Right in the middle of a sermon, talking to everybody. You know, uh, I'm sure these doctors of law were asking all these hard questions that Jesus was answering really easy. You know, they were all softball questions to him. But, you know, they thought they're going to get him or talk to him. And, uh, and right in the middle of all that, you know, the, these people that they weren't doctors of the law, the Pharisees of the important people. They were just guys. Right. Let this man down uh, right in the middle of Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus uh, it says in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Uh, and, um, you know, that's a really odd thing to say. Right. I mean, that's a really, you know, he didn't say, hey, what are you doing? I mean, the man's on a cot. It's kind of obvious what he's doing. But, you know, he didn't say, why are you here? What do you want? You know, other people, he did ask him, you know, what do you want? Uh, he asked a blind Bartimaeus, you know, what do you want? Um, he asked the man at the pool of Bethesda, you know, do you want to be healed? Listen, he didn't even ask this man a question because it was kind of obvious. You know, I'm here in a cot. So, uh, but uh, verse 20 has got a lot of information in there. The first part of it, when he saw their faith. It was, he didn't see the fact that they were dropping them through the ceiling. That wasn't their faith. That was just a natural act. It wasn't the fact that he, that he, you know, he might have seen him, you know, through the crowd trying to get in that door over there. And then he's, then he's preaching and he sees him over there, that door. And then he's preaching and he sees him trying to get in that window over there. And, you know, this couldn't have been the first thing, right? It's not like, oh, there's a house. Let's go to the roof and, and knock a hole in it, right? That's not their first, the first choice, right? I'm sure they were trying to every window and door they could get in, right? They snuck in the back door in the kitchen. He sees them trying to come in the kitchen door. And, well, they can't come in that way. It's all packed right there, right? So, uh, so you know, we don't know how long this was going on, but I bet, I, I bet that there was a lot of tries, trial and error, before uh, they finally decided, you know, we're just going to go for broke here and go to the, to the roof. So we saw their faith. You know, your faith is, is, can, ha, has the ability to be observed. Uh, just talking with somebody and looking at somebody. Remember in Acts 14, uh, when uh, the man uh, that was impotent from his mother's womb was there. And the Bible says when Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed, he said, stand upright on thy feet. So your faith can be perceived, right? It can be seen. It has the ability to be observed by those around you, not by the natural actions. It's not just the fact that they uh, opened up the roof. Uh, it, was, it was their faith. It was a spiritual thing that they saw. It wasn't just the, the consequences of their natural actions. Because that man in Acts 14, he was impotent from his mother's womb, so he wasn't doing anything. He was just sitting there. He wasn't, you know, doing anything particular. The Bible didn't say that, that they had knocked a hole in the roof for him. He was just sitting there, right? Uh, kind of minding his own business. 
And uh, the Bible says that Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. And Jesus saw their faith. So your faith can be, can be seen, right? And your lack of faith can be seen. Uh, remember, that's what we talked about in Mark chapter 6, about uh, how that he marveled at their unbelief, right? Well, how did he know they had unbelief? Because he could see it, right? So, so if, you are a, if you are a spiritual person, you can observe and sense the faith and lack of faith and other people. And, you know, I can sense it on a regular basis. I can tell, you know, just talking to somebody, I can sense how much faith they've got. You know, you, you can feel it. It's not, it, you know, it's not a discerning of spirits, but you can observe it. You know, you can tell if there's, if there's faith there or not. Uh, and so, uh, so he said, when he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven you. So he didn't, he didn't um, observe their faith and then give them the desire of their faith he saw their faith and gave them, gave them what they needed, right? Which is to be forgiven of their sins. Because specifically this man here that was uh, born uh, uh, by his friends, right? Uh, and so, and of course, you know, sometimes I, I always wonder, um, you know, surely Jesus would have known that this particular statement would cause a big ruckus, right? I mean, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. That's a pretty big statement in this time, right? Uh, when the Pharisees... You know, the level of the law was this high, right? They were so steeped in religion and legalism that, uh, you know, man is of, is of no value. Man can do anything. And then here Jesus looks at somebody and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. Uh, he had to know that that would cause somebody to be stirred up, right? Uh, and yet, did he say it anyway? Well, he said it anyway, right? Now, did he say it just for the reason for that? No, I don't believe he did things with the intention of stirring people up. Uh, but he probably knew it would, and, and it had to be said anyway, because in this case, this man required forgiveness prior to him receiving uh, healing. Now, and we know from all of our studies of all the healing scriptures, how many times has this occurred? It's very rare that sins are forgiven first and then healing uh, received second. But this is one of the cases where that occurs, right? Uh, and so we do, we, we can... Uh, uh, we can uh, infer from this that sometimes forgiveness is necessary prior to healing being a, being achieved, right? Uh, and so, but the nice thing is, was healing, was uh, forgiveness available? It was, right? Well, God couldn't heal me because I've committed a sin. Uh, so did the man born by four because he said, thy sins are forgiven thee. And, and, and is that singular or plural? Plural, right? Thy sins are forgiven thee. So he, this man, whatever he'd been doing, done it more than once or done something more than once, right? He'd done, he'd done something wrong more than once, right? And uh, we don't know how many. It doesn't really matter how many. But whatever it is, this man has not been living a perfect life, you know, as the Pharisees especially would measure it. Uh, and so Jesus said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. So uh, he, he got the sl slate clean because... Uh, Clearly, from, from this, uh, the way Jesus is saying this, that sins can be a hindrance to receiving healing. Uh, and so what is Jesus doing? He's removing the obstacles. So when people say, well, God can never heal me because of my sin, that's an absurd statement because if you've got no sin, he'll heal you. If you've got sin, he'll forgive you, and then he'll heal you. So what's the problem? He's going to heal you either way, right? So... So there's no problem with that. But part of the problem is, well, I like my sins. You know, are you willing to, to repent of your sins? Well, no, I really like, can I be healed and keep my sins? Well, that's, that's not a, an option number three, right? There's two options. You either have no sin and can get healed, or you have sin, you get forgiven, and then you get healed. Uh, option number three is, well, I want to keep my sins and get healed. That's, that case has never happened that we know of, right? Uh, and so... Uh, so that's, that's sometimes a struggle in a church where, uh, you know, people want, want to receive something from God, but they're not willing to do what it takes, right? Remember, these, these guys were willing to do whatever it takes and find, uh, find a way, no matter what the way is required to get there, to get the answer. And uh, you remember the rich young ruler, Jesus said what? He said, uh, this what? One thing you lack, right? One thing. Uh, so... All the blessings of the Lord that the Lord desired to give to him, he was one thing away from receiving all that. And so what did he do? He walked away, right? He walked away. How many people are one sin away 
from receiving all their blessings. I ain't changing. I ain't, I ain't repenting. Well, then die. I mean, you know, I mean, just, I don't want anybody to die, but I mean, to me, it's the dumbest thing in the world to just repent. I ain't repenting. Well, why not? Doesn't make it. It's dumb. Why is it? It's so dumb. Just repent. Just get forgiveness and get your healing, right? Why is it? Now, I'm not saying that every time you do something that God's going to withhold healing from you, but this is a case. This can happen, right? It could be the case. Jesus told the rich young ruler, you're only, only one thing you lack. I ain't doing it. Fine. Now, you know, and I've told the Lord many times, I said, Lord, I'd love for you to just tell me I lack one thing. Because it seems like with me, it's always a list. Here's, you know, five things. You know, we get done with five things. Here's five more, you know, and. Uh, and uh, he never he never told me you just you're one just one thing away right never uh, and I'm a little jealous about that but uh, but see uh, so whatever we don't know what the sins are did Jesus make a big deal about what the specific sins were no. you know some people are of the opinion well you've got to confess your sins in public and you know tell everybody what you've done in secret and uh, before you can be healed and did Jesus did Jesus even ask him what they were mm-hmm. of course he probably knew about the spirit of God but still. Uh, the demand, uh, it's interesting, the man never did any repenting, but uh, Jesus still forgave him, didn't he? Um, and, and really his act of coming to Jesus was his, his statement that I choose to repent. He saw their faith, right? So it was clear that he wanted whatever it took uh, to obtain the blessings of heaven. Uh, and so, uh, so you can't make a law that way you never have to repent. Uh, in this case, I believe that the, the issue was that Jesus saw their faith and because he saw their faith, he saw that they had faith for to repent and do whatever it took to get healing. Right. So he saw their faith to get healing and, and they were of the attitude and opinion, whatever it takes, uh, repenting, whatever, you know, if that's what it takes and fine. And Jesus and that's what Jesus hooked up with them. Man, man thy sins are forgiven thee. Uh, and of course, the Pharisees and the scribes were thrilled that Jesus healed us uh, or told this man he could be free from sin. Right forgiven uh no the scribes and the pharisees began to reason saying who is this which speaketh blasphemies who can forgive sins but god alone and when jesus perceived their thoughts he answered uh so can you perceive other people's thoughts well you can't but the spirit of god can right so i got somebody mad at me just the other day you know you don't know anything about me i know a lot of things about you and they got so mad at me it's like why are you mad at me you know if the Lord shows you, the Lord shows you, right? So don't get mad at me, you know. But, you know, uh, some people get really upset because they think, you know, everything they're doing in their life. Well, I don't know everything everybody's doing in their life, but I know some things, right? Uh, and especially as the pastor of a church, you know, I know a lot of things. I know a lot of things about a lot of people, but, you know, I don't say anything to, to most people. But, the, but I have the ability to pray now, right? And so um, everybody's nervous. You know, what does he know about me? Uh, <laughs> but any any pastor who desires to pray for his people the lord will show him what he should be praying for yeah. for his people right wouldn't that be the, your benefit for me to, to pray exactly what you need you know well lord don't tell him anything about me <laughs> well then go down to the other church you know i don't know you know i just i don't know what your options are there but uh, um but they got mad at him because of that and he perceived their thoughts and he answered and said to them, why, what reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? And I've thought about this question a lot of times. You know, to me, I'm thinking it'd be easier to say your sins are forgiven because how can you check it out? How can you make sure it's true? You can't, you can't really observe that it's so, right? But Jesus was saying that it's actually harder to, to, um, to say that your sins are forgiven than to heal somebody. Uh, and so... Uh, because if if it, it is harder, if it's really true, right, to actually to really forgive somebody's sins, to, you know, spirits because it's in a spiritual realm, right? Your sins are the issues in the realm of the spirit, and so technically, if that's really happening, that is harder to do than healing something in the natural realm. Uh, but you know, um, that that that's, that doesn't do with, with my thoughts about that. As far as uh, you know, I, just when I can see, it seems like it'd be easier to say. Uh, your sins are forgiven, but uh, we understand what he's talking about there. So he says in verse 24, but that, you, that, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power. Remember we said earlier that the power of the Lord was present to heal him. That word power in verse 17 is dunamis, the miracle working power. 
This word power here in verse 24, that the, that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, that word power means the word authority, right? He has the, the right and the authority to forgive sins upon the earth. Uh, and so that's what he's saying. I have that authority to do that. I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. So really what he's using is he's using uh, the healing to confirm to everybody that he also has the authority to forgive sins. Uh, and so that, that, should have been, uh, that should have been sufficient. But of course, it, you know, I don't know how many of the hearts of the Pharisees that he changed from that, right? Uh, so he's talking to the Pharisees and he said, which one's easier to do? Which one's harder to do? And I said, and he said, and just to show you that I've got the authority. Now rise up and take up thy bed and walk. And so, you know, the Lord will do that on occasion. On occasion, he will do something, some some sign and wonder to confirm that something else is is, is going to happen. And, and I think about the uh, uh, the story with, with Brother Hagin when he first, uh, you know, he'd been in the ministry for a while. He was a pastor for many years and he was traveling for for many years. And then at some point, uh, he believed that God had called him into the ministry of the prophet, right? So he, he was a pastor for a while. He was a traveling, they called him evangelist, but he was really a teacher. Uh, but he was a traveling evangelist slash teacher for many years. And then the Lord uh, wanted to move him into the office of the prophet. Uh, and so he uh, went and talked to some men that he respected, and they, and they prayed for him. And then the, the, then the word of the Lord came to Brother Hagin and said, you know, at tonight's service, there's going to be so many people uh, in wheelchairs. And when they, when they get there, he said, you speak to each one of them and they'll rise up and walk. And he said, this will be a sign to the people that you are called into the office of the prophet. Uh, and, and that's what happened, right? So people came to their wheelchairs and he spoke to them. They all, they all got up, the ones that he, he spoke to. And, uh, uh, and, that he, and he told the people, this is what the Lord said, that... Uh, and, and he did it before he did it. He told them before he did it what was going to happen, right? Uh, he said, that way, you know, you know if, because if it doesn't happen, then I'm a false prophet. You, you know, most people wait till after the fact, right? See, this is what the Lord said, right? Uh, and so uh, that way, if they mess up, nobody really cares, right? And so, uh, but, you know, the Lord oftentimes will do that. To, he'll do some kind of a sign or a wonder or healing in order to show some other thing, right? Most of the healings aren't that way, but this is, this is a, a really a, kind of an unusual healing in this case. The Lord was using this uh, to show the people that he had the authority to operate in the earth. And, um, uh, and, and of course, that's what he did there. Uh, most, most cases aren't that way. So he said to them, rise up, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately in verse 25, he rose up before them, took up whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and filled with fear and said, we have seen strange things today. Uh, and that is, you know, all of it, all of it, the whole thing is strange, right? Breaking into the roof, Jesus healing somebody or telling somebody's forgiven and then say, this is a sign to you that I have this authority. But these are Pharisees and doctors of the law. Why, why didn't they hook up with that? Why didn't they say, well, he showed us right there. He just proved, he said, this is what the Lord's going to do because they had to know that it was a power of God. They all would agree that it was the power of God. They didn't like it, but they all agreed that it was the power of God, not just Jesus himself. And he said, I'm going to show you by demonstrating the power of God that I have authority in this other area over here. And yet they never seemed to catch on, right? It was really, to me, it's really odd. It's, uh, I mean, what would it take? Because uh, we know, first of all, number one, healings do not provide or produce faith, right? Uh, it's the word of God that produces faith. Healings encourage us, right? We're, we're, we love testimonies. They, they, they are great to hear and great to see. But, um, but that's not what produces faith. What produces faith is the word of God. Amen. Uh, and so, so th th this, was, uh, um, uh, uh, th this whole story is a really unusual story, right? Uh, but it does tell us a lot of good information regarding sin and healing, right? Sometimes sin can be a hindrance to healing. Uh, and... and um, I remember, you know, going back to Brother Hagen, he'd he'd pray for folks, and and um, uh, this one fellow in particular uh, wanted something from the Lord, and the Lord spoke to Brother Hagen, and he said, "Are you going to start paying tithes to your church?" Because the Lord had been dealing with him to pay tithes to the church, right? And he hadn't been doing it, uh, and, and uh, 
does the Lord do that for everybody not paying tithes? No, you know, but that was in that particular case. Uh, the, the man said, yes, I'll start doing it. And, and Brother Hagin said, well, then the Lord will heal you on credit because until he does it, you know, he hadn't done it yet, right? So he promised that he would do it in the future. Uh, and the, the man got healed, right? You think the Lord knew whether he was being sincere or not? I think the Lord knew, so he got his healing. So I'm assuming that he was sincere in that, right? But there are times when, when um, uh, and, and, you know, for me personally, I, I do always check in with the Lord. You know, if, if healing is delayed or healing is not a, a, achieved for some reason, first thing I always do is go to the Lord to check up on me. Lord, any hindrance, that, anything I've done that would hinder me receiving this healing because it seems like it's taking a while. And if he says no, then I'm going to keep on keeping on and, and you know, believe God that it will get there eventually because uh, it will get there eventually. Uh, but if, if it is delayed for any period of time, I will go to the Lord and say, Lord, any hindrance is there? Because I think of this, this story right here. This man could not get healed until his sins were forgiven. And then once they were forgiven, then he had the capacity to be healed. Amen. Uh, so uh, is that all is that the case all the time? No. In fact, really, in, the, in all the cases, that's it's fairly rare that sin was a hindrance to somebody being healed. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that doesn't mean that everybody else has been healed is perfect either. Right. But just for whatever reason, whatever these sins were, we don't know what they were, but whatever these specific sins were, they were a hindrance. So uh, number one rule, we don't make a law. Right. There's no law that, uh, oh, they got sick. I wonder what sin they've committed. You know, always be careful about judging somebody like that, right? Uh, oh, well, they died of sickness. I wonder what sin they committed. Well, how do you know it was a sin? Could have been they were tired of living on this earth, right? It could have been a lot of things, right? Could have been they didn't know. I mean, it, you know, there's just, uh, if you don't know, then just don't know. Don't, don't, don't assume, amen? Because a lot of times you get yourself in trouble and then you find yourself, you know, on the wrong side of the Lord there. So, so that's the story of the, the man born by four there. Uh, when he perceived their faith. So your faith can be observed. Amen. Uh, and faith, your faith will always find a way. See, people that are quitters, that are easy to quit, I just, it's just too hard. Faith always finds a way. Yeah. Amen. Always finds a way. Uh, well, that's just, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work, you know. And, and, and so, um, you know, whatever it takes. Amen. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing about it is, what I would encourage you to do is, you know, if you'll be a person of faith, that will that will uh, permeate through all of your life, not just in your spiritual life, but in your natural life, too. Right. Uh, I never wanted to tell my boss ever. Well, that's too hard to do. You know, if he told me to do anything, I, yes, sir, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. You know, uh, and, and I've had people tell me, you know, hey, I want this done. And, and uh, they go, well, that's probably too hard. I said, I'll figure it out. Uh, and I would I would I would do whatever it took to figure it out. You know, now at the end of the day, it may be impossible, might be might be beyond my ability. But I'm going to go all the way to the very edge and find a way. Right. Uh, and, and I may find a way then come back and say, well, we can do it, but it's going to cost a million dollars. Right. You want to do it? I mean, I don't care to do it, but it's going to cost a million dollars. Right. Uh, and so faith will always find a way. And, and that attitude should permeate all of your life. You know, I, I don't like anybody. Whoever says, you know, well, it's just too hard to do, right? I remember I was talking to a computer guy years ago, you know, we, at the church. We had a computer and, uh, with my pastor, and, and um, I was trying to figure out something on the computer. And I said, well, you know, here, I'm trying to figure out this problem right here. You know, what if we do that? No, you can't do it that way. Okay, well, fine. You know, what if we do it like this? Uh, no, you can't do it that way either. Okay, well, fine. Uh, uh, you know, what about this way? No, you can't do that. I said, well, then let's just fill it up with cement and throw it up a cliff because I'm trying to solve a problem. You need to help me solve it. Don't just tell me no. Faith, you know, people of faith don't take no. People of faith say, well, how do we solve it, right? Don't say, no, you can't go in the front door. No, you can't go through the kitchen door. No, you can't go through the, you, the, the crowds. No, you, you know, that's what, that's what people of no faith do all the time. They look at all the reasons why they can't do something. People of faith go, that's just, that's just noise, People of faith go, I don't care what the noise, I'm going to find a way. Uh, and I'm not taking no for an answer. Uh, the Syrophoenician woman, she didn't take no for an answer, right? Uh, the man born by four, his friends and he didn't take no for an answer. People of low faith always go, you know, it's, go, oh, it's so hot. Oh, I can't do it. It's so hard, you know. Uh, I mean, just smile. Oh, it started raining. Oh, I can't do it. You mean you can't, you can't do it in the rain? No, no. Why, no, why not? Well, you know, because I'll get wet. That's it? You'll get wet? 
I mean, it's not like you're going to die or anything. Or you're going to get, I can't do it. I'll get wet, you know. Uh, and it's just, you know, uh, doubt and unbelief is very exasperating even to the Lord. You know, it just, it's just, you know, just do it. Figure out a way. Amen. Put a raincoat on or whatever it is. You know, I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter. Solve the problem. Amen. People of faith are always solving the problem. That's what they did, right? There was a problem. They couldn't get in. No matter how they tried, they couldn't get in. And they still found a way, didn't they? Uh, and, and, and these guys, I would love to work with these guys every day. Hey, let's go do that. Okay, let's do it right now. Well, you know, it's going to be a hot out there. So what? They were doing it anyway, right? Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, they're going to find a way. And that's the kind of people I like being around. You know, people is like, you know, no, you can't do that way. Okay, well, what about that? No, no, no. It's like, ah, I don't have time for that. You know, I don't have time for you to tell me five reasons no, why no. I want you to give me one reason why yes, you know. Uh, and that's what people of faith do, right? Uh, and it will, impact, it will affect all areas of your life, right? Uh, and, and I'm kind of that way. I just don't take no for an answer. You know, if someone tells me no, fine, I'll go somewhere else, you know. Because uh, if the answer in my heart is yes, I will, I will go through 100 people who say no to find the one person says yes. How many people you think Jesus went through uh, on the earth to find an Abraham? How many people told him no before he found an Abraham that said yes? How many went through thousands of people? I don't know. But I, I bet it was thousands, maybe tens of thousands or hundreds. Because remember the time he said in Ezekiel that he looked for a man to pray? And how many did he find? None. The whole world, he looked for a single one to pray and he couldn't find anybody. Well, how many do you reckon he looked through? You, look, you think he looked at two and go, nobody wants to pray. Nobody's praying no more. I looked at two guys. Nobody's praying no more. That's not the way. If, if he likes faith like this, I imagine he went through every single person on the earth. Hey, you want to do that? No. Hey, about you? No. How about you? No. Uh, uh, and he he didn't quit, but he found none, right? And so, so he he exhausted it at the end of, at the end of the day. But uh, I'll go through a hundred no's before I get to the one yes, um, and then uh, and then then I'll get the job done. Amen. Because if I can't do it, I'll find somebody that can do it. Amen. Uh, and so, to me, that's a there's a lot in that story. You know, there's a lot of good things in that story, uh, things that should encourage us to, to 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 encourage us to press in, to try harder, to do more. It's not about just working our fingers to the bone, but it's just uh, it's whatever the will of God is. Then you don't take no for an answer. That's that's the deal, right? The will of God was for this man to get healed. No way they were taking no for an answer, right? The front door was a no. The kitchen door was a no. The window was a no. You know, asking to people to step aside was a no. You know, they probably asked at least some of the, hey, can we squeeze in there? No, you know, we're here. We were here first, right? Uh, and uh, they went through all, the, all those no's, and the roof said, yeah, I'll let you through, right? They didn't really have a choice, but, you know, the roof said yes, right? The roof had more faith than all those Pharisees and doctors of the law, right? Uh, and so, so that, that's the, the man born by four, right? So how do we know that the man uh, had uh, faith? Right. How did the man himself? Right. Did he have any faith? Well, how do we know he had faith? He allowed them to carry him. Right. Uh, boys were going to go. Of course, he could have gone on a protest, but he's paralyzed. Right. So he couldn't really fight about it. But but he, Jesus said he saw their faith. So he didn't say just the people that were carrying him faith. He saw their faith. So the whole whole group of guys had faith. So what should that tell us? Hang around with people that got faith. Amen. That's the kind of people you should be around. Amen. Uh, and so so let's uh, what time we got. We got just a couple minutes here. We won't get into the, the story a whole lot. Um, but um, let's open up uh, to Ephesians chapter two. We're going to read a verse here and then we're going to jump back to Acts chapter three here. And, you know, I like this particular verse. This is just a kind of a good generic verse there. Uh, so Paul is talking about the, the Gentiles. So let's see here in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 11, it says, Remember, uh, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Uh, and, and so this is talking about us, right? We were Gentiles. We were, we were these people at one time. 
the things that are important, of course, all of us are important, but a couple of things that are really important here is that at that time we were strangers from the covenants of promise. So what is the covenants of promise? It's just the word of God, right? That's the covenant of promise. The promises are the word of God. So the covenant of promise. So strangers are outside of the, of the word of God. And, and so if you're outside of the word of God, what's the next thing that the, the verse says that you have? If you're outside of the covenants of promise, what do you have? You got no hope. So that tells you right there that what if you're in the church, but you don't believe the Bible? What do you have? You've got no hope, right? You're strangers uh, from the covenants of promise. Uh, so, uh, and without God in the world, of course, that's talking about the Gentiles, but even in the church, if you are a stranger to the covenants of promise, you've got no hope. And that's where a lot of the church is right now. Uh, now, that, that the covenant of promise is available, right? But as far as their relationship with the covenant of promise, they are strangers, right? You know, people who just don't even know the Bible at all. Oh, did you start going to church yesterday? No, I've been to church since dirt. You know, I'm in a thousand. I've been in church for a thousand. I, I got a hundred Sunday school pins. See all these pins right here? I, you know, I look like a Sunday school general, right? I got all these Sunday school pins, you know, <laughs> haven't missed a day of Sunday school in a thousand years. But what do you know about the Bible? Nothing. Well, then you, there is no hope in your life. Uh, but you know what, what else is true? If you are a, uh, uh, aware of the covenants of promise and you believe the covenants of promise, what do you have? You do have hope, right? So how could any Christian ever be without hope? All they have to do is not be strangers of the covenants of promise. Amen. And if you, if you are not strangers of the covenants of promise, you got all hope in the world. Oh, yeah, make it. You know, Christians are the most hopeful people. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. Oh, yeah, it's no problem. Oh, yeah, we're going to be good. Oh, yeah, it's going to work out. Oh, you just never know. You know, oh, here it comes again, right? Oh, I'm always, you know, you know and I think, you know, sometimes, uh, you, know, and I actually, I, you know, I'm not going to say I've ever thought about anybody in particular that you know, but sometimes, have you ever met Jesus? You know, I think, you know, have you ever met him? Because if you know him, you're not a stranger to the covenants of promise. See, I'm not a stranger to the covenants of promise, so I have hope every day. Oh, yeah, it's going to work out. Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's going to be fine, no problem. Uh, and it's not that I'm sticking my head in the sand, but regardless of what I'm facing right now, all of this hope right here tells me it's going to be fine. And so I'm not a stranger to the covenants of promise, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, but at one time we were all outside, right? We were all outside that covenant. All of us Gentiles, right? We were all outside that covenant. And that means none of us had hope until we got inside the covenant, right? Uh, and so I, I just I, I've always liked Ephesians two, twelve, and I've never actually got to preach on it. So there we go. Uh, and so she she mentioned it. So I just get to go talk about it. Right. So I, I've always liked that because I am no longer a stranger of the covenant of promise, which means I have hope. Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to Acts chapter three and let's look at the story here. <clears throat> and then uh, we'll see how much time we have after that. So. Uh, here we are, so Acts chapter 3, right? So what happened in Acts chapter 1? Uh, for those who were here this morning, right? What did they do in Acts chapter 1? Chris, you weren't actually here, but... Uh, but um, <laughs> she was not. Remember, they, they, uh, they got the new apostle, right? They replaced Judas with uh, Matthias, and they were, they were up in the upper room, right? Uh, and you all remember that. You were just waiting for me to tell you, right? Uh, and so... Uh, Acts chapter 2, so what happened in Acts chapter 2? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, right? So, so we're only now in Acts chapter 3, so it's not been that long from the Holy Ghost time here. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, it's just a small aside here. I was uh, watching somebody, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I do what I call opposition research, people who don't believe in God, you know, and just I'll go see what they have to say. Uh, I encourage you, you've got to be careful about that, because if you listen to too much of that, you'll start believing it, you know. So, it's, you know, you've got to take it in small doses, but... Uh, they were saying how, you know, all these mega churches are wrong because all the churches in, in, uh, at the beginning were all small. But Jerusalem had at one time 80,000 members in their church. I don't know if except for Dr. Youngie Cho's in, in church in Korea, the largest church in America is like 18,000 people. I think it's Joel Osteen's church got 18,000 people, you know, which is a big church, right? But it's just getting started in Jerusalem, right? And so uh, people love to say things as if it's true. And then they expect people who, who are not, you know, who are strangers to the covenants of promise to believe that, right? 
But, uh, but oftentimes people say that immediately the word of God rises up. Go, well, that ain't true because of this. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. So they, but uh, people love saying stuff like that. Amen. Does, can the Lord bless a big church? Absolutely. Can the Lord bless a small church? Absolutely. Amen. Does the size of the church got anything to do with how much the Lord blesses it? No. Amen. So we believe God for great blessings in our church. Amen. Uh, and if we get a thousand people, you know what we're still going to do? Believe God to bless our church. Amen. Uh, and so, so he said uh, here in verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, so that's 3 p.m., and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid, how often? Daily, Daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So, so, so you know, in, Jerus- in Jerusalem and really in the nation of Israel, they had the temple, which how many temples were there in, in Israel? Just the one, right? Just the one in Jerusalem, right? Well, where did the, the, the uh, Jews meet for just instruction and, and uh, services uh, in other areas in Israel? They'd meet at synagogues, right? So the synagogues were kind of like the church structure today, right? It was a, an area, a location that they uh, would set up and they would meet and they would teach and instruct. And remember, Paul went through many synagogues in his travels all around, you know, the, the Asia and there. Uh, and so... But here, they're at the temple. So if they're at the temple, that means they're in Jerusalem. Amen. Now, the, now, did Jesus ever visit the temple? Many times, right? Uh, uh, he'd heal people in the temple. Remember, he, he turned over the money changes of the temple. Uh, he was at the temple many times. So uh, how often was this fellow there? Daily. Daily, right? So how often is daily? That would mean daily, right? That mean every day. So if he was there every day, you reckon Jesus ever saw him? I mean, he, he was there. If, now, he was there like like every third Tuesday. Well, maybe there, you know, Jesus didn't get there at the same time he got there. Right. But no, he daily they would they hit, they would put him at the gate um, to ask alms. So he was a beggar. Right. So so you think Jesus ever saw him? Well, I mean, it, it would be really uh, stretching the imagination to say that Jesus never saw this fellow if he was there every day. And Jesus went to the temple many times from who remember from when he was 12 years old. Right. Till now. So they, that man. Uh, we don't know how long he was there, but uh, he's been there. Uh, the the impression I get is he's been there for a long time, going there daily to ask alms. Uh, and so surely Jesus would have seen him, right? Uh, so uh, he, we go back then to the premise of healing is that everybody that comes to Jesus gets healed. And Jesus, on occasion, would sovereignly go find people like the man at the Pool of Bethesda, and they would get healed. But he didn't sovereignly heal everybody because if he had sovereignly healed everybody, he could have just spoke to the earth, be healed and done it that way. But he didn't do it that way. Well, why not? Because that requires the least amount of faith. Right. So he's always he's always elevating faith. He's always promoting faith. So uh, now if this man here had seen Jesus and recognized who he was, and if he had said, hey, Jesus, would you heal me? You think he would have got healed? Absolutely, he would have got healed, right? That's the, that's the examples we saw. Every single person that came to Jesus got healed, right? So, so why didn't Jesus heal him? He didn't ask, and uh, that was the part on, on, uh, on uh, the man's side, but what about on Jesus' side? Why didn't Jesus do it sovereignly? He said to ask, right? But... The, the key from Jesus' side not doing sovereignly is Jesus was led by the Spirit in everything that he did, right? So the Spirit of God never told him to heal this man. You know, you, you got to believe that everything that Jesus did was done by the direction of the Spirit of God, right? When he went to the man at the, at the, at the pool of Bethesda, he was directed to go there by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so he's walking by this man here. There's no unction to, to speak to this man. Well, why not? I mean, that's not for us to, to discern. We don't know unless the Lord tells us why. You know, there's, there's, leave it alone, right? We don't know why. Oh, he's probably in some sin. We don't know that. He's probably because, you know, he, he was mean to his sister. We don't know that. It, it had nothing to do with nothing, right? Uh, so if we don't know, we leave it alone, right? All we know is that there was no unction by the Holy Spirit to tell Jesus to heal this man. So he wasn't healed sovereignly, Right. And we know that the man never asked Jesus because everybody that asked Jesus got healed. So, so we're now at the stalemate. The man didn't ask. Uh, the Holy Spirit didn't tell. So 
here we are, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he could have, right? I mean, if he saw jail, he, I mean, how many, even the blind guy said, hey, I think that's Jesus. He didn't even see him. He just, I think it's Jesus. You know, hey, have mercy on me, thou son of David, right? This man wasn't blind. He could see. He could have asked, couldn't he? He could speak, right? He wasn't a, didn't have a dumb spirit. He could speak. Well, why didn't he? Stranger of the covenant of promise. He didn't know what the, what the promises were. He didn't know that the Lord was, was uh, Jehovah Rapha. So even the Jews could be strangers of the covenants of promise if they don't know their own covenant, right? I mean, they didn't know. Um, if they'd known, if they'd known of Jesus, right? Remember the, the woman with the issue of blood? She found Jesus, you know? She went and found, she, she heard of Jesus and went and found him, right? So, so her faith compelled her to go find the answer. That's what faith does, right? Faith will, will get the answer for you. But for whatever reason, you know, likely this man was a stranger of the covenants. He didn't know. That, that was a, that, is that an option? People can heal me, you know? Uh, and so, so um, uh, you know, there's a lot of things kind of built into that story there that we don't know the answer to. Uh, and so, you know, in those areas, we leave it alone. So we never say anything crazy like, well, then it must have not been God's will to heal him. Because uh, that's the wrong statement, because it's always God's will to heal. But it's also always God's will for people to walk by faith. And if he had asked by faith to be healed... The man showed up, you know, knocked a hole in the roof, and, the, and Jesus, it, he never even asked. Right? He just showed up, and his faith was so evident that Jesus knew what the man, the man needed. So clearly this man had no faith because Jesus didn't see it, right? The man in Acts chapter 14, Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed and spoke to him directly. Uh, and so there are times now the man at the pool of Bethesda, he, I don't believe he had any faith. Uh, and, and Jesus went and asked him, you know, do you want to be healed? Well, nobody's letting me in the water. You know, that wasn't a question, right? The question was, do you want to be healed? Well, it's not my fault. It's kind of, uh, I mean, it's, you know, always be, if the Lord asks you a question, always give him a good answer, right? Don't give him a lame answer, you know, because it's going to be recorded forever, right? Oh, we, yeah. oh yeah, you know, uh, Chip gave him a lame answer. You know, let me, let's write it down how lame of an answer he gave, you know. Now, I'm not mad at that guy, and I hope when I see him in heaven, you know, that he goes, yeah, that was me. I was a lame answer, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, but you got healed, didn't you? Yeah, well, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give it to you. So, so the man didn't ask, right? Uh, and uh, um, in fact, you know, I'll tell you the story when we go. You know, there's a story with, with, uh, with Brother Hagen that he talked about that, uh, uh, you know, Brother Hagen was a great man of faith and power. But his wife had, had like a, this problem with her goiter. Uh, is, it, is it goiter a thing that you have or is it something that you take? Is it, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not up in my goiter anatomy, you know, but uh, but uh, anyway, so she had a problem with with her, her goiter. And um, of course, it starts swelling and then it caused you difficulties even breathing and eating. Right. And so it was getting progressively worse. And uh, and uh, and they thought, you know, if we, if they just sensed that they got uh, uh, surgery, that she would die. You ever had that? You know, if I do that, you know, that's not going to go well for me. Right. So you're kind of stuck because she's not getting it by faith, even though Brother Hagen's a great man of faith, right? Well, how come she didn't get it? She didn't get it because she didn't get it. Uh, primarily because, um, you know, after a while, even though Brother Hagen's got faith, she's a grown woman, right? She, she has to have her own faith. And, you know, when you're a baby Christian, yeah, you can kind of hang on the coattails of somebody else's faith, but after a while, you've got to get it yourself. Well, she got it because she outlived by Brother Hagen by decades or more, you know. I mean, he died in 2003. I don't remember when, when Miss Aretha passed away, but she lived at least 10 years, I think, longer than Brother Hagen. I'm sure she's just a little smug when she got to heaven going, I, I figured it out, didn't I? And, and, and so, uh, but at the time, you know, she wasn't getting it. So they were contemplating, well, then let's do natural medicine. So Brother Hagen was never against medicine and doctors, you know. Uh, even with his own wife, right? But, you know, sometimes you just say, well, yeah, well, we do that, you know, because you got to get put under, and, 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 you know, when you start doing things like that, start cutting you open, and, you know, you could bleed out, or, I mean, a lot of things, you know, they tell you all the horrible things that could happen, any surgery, right? All these things could happen. Well, well it's likelihood. Well, no, nothing is likely, but, you know, it could happen, right? Uh, and so, uh, so they were kind of stuck, you know, couldn't get it by faith, didn't sense that going to the doctor would be, uh, would be uh, wise to do that. And so Brother Hagin's just praying, Lord, you know, this is my wife. She needs to be healed. 
she needs to get this thing taken care of. But we know, we just sense that if she goes to the doctor, she's not going to make it. But, but, you know, I'm asking you to help her, right? I'm asking you for the answer. What's the answer? And so one night, the Lord Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen. You know, there were some other things that was going on, but he appeared to Brother Hagen. Uh, and, and he said, he said, uh, go and have the surgery and all will be well. And, and so it was really, they, they, through prayer, they got the problem with the surgery fixed. So we don't know what the problem was, but whatever it was, you know, maybe she had weak blood vessels or, you know, her body couldn't handle anesthesia, uh, anesthetics very well. I mean, who knows what the problem was, but whatever the problem was that was hindering them going to the doctor, they dealt with it in prayer, right? And so the Lord said, uh, go and have the surgery and all will be well. Uh, and then... Uh, he said, the Lord Jesus got up to leave and he said, he stopped and turned around. He said, he said, you don't know how I long for my children to ask me to bless them. How if they would just ask how that I would bless them and see, they were blessed because they asked. They asked for the Lord to help uh, Miss Aretha through the surgery. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, Lord, give the doctors wisdom. You know, I don't most of the time when I hear that, there's no faith in that. They're just hoping that that's right. But you can't have faith in that. Right. You can't. Lord, uh, when the when the doctors it's all going to be fine. It's going to be fine. They're going to know exactly what to do and do it exactly right. You know, that sounds like faith, but it doesn't sound like, Lord, give the doctors wisdom to know what to do. I mean, it just sounds like a, I mean, I mean, it's fine if that's where your faith is at. Doctor faith, no problem, but do it by faith. Don't just do it by, well, doctor, I mean, uh, and so, uh, but the Lord Jesus said, you don't know how I long for my children to ask me to bless them. You know, the Lord desires to bless us way more than we will ever appreciate. Way more. When we get to heaven, we'll be like, Lord, what's all that stuff? That's all the stuff you didn't ask for that I wanted to give you. You've been sitting there collecting dust. He said, I don't even know what to do with it anymore. Now that you're here, you know, I don't need, I don't need it in heaven. You needed it on the earth. Uh, and, and he's not going to be mad at us, but, you know, there, there's going to be boatloads of stuff that we could have asked for that we just, well, I don't want to bother the Lord, you know. Um, as if he's a bo- he made the universe by speaking it into existence. How is your small thing going to bother him in the least, right? I mean, it's just the, the, the greatest thing we could ask for is such a minor thing to the Lord, right? Uh, and so, so we'll, we'll continue on with the, the man there at the, at the gate, beautiful, uh, and um, <clears throat> see how that's going there. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God, and Father, we thank you that it is your desire that we ask uh, and Father, it's, it's your greatest desire that we are a people of faith, that we choose to ask you because we believe that you will hear and you will answer, Father. You are the God who hears and the God who answers. And so, Father, as we ask, we will ask in faith. We will not ask in presumption. We will not ask because that's what we should do. We will ask because we know you will respond. Uh, and the answer is always yes. And so we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive um, this this afternoon's offering. And um, uh, Jared, while you're doing that, come ahead and receive the offering. Uh, We did talk to the lady who was doing some of the design work on the sanctuary. And so uh, we think we've got a pretty good plan to go forward. So we're going to talk to the contractor and get some ideas about, uh, you know, what it's going to take, how it's going to, how long it's going to take to do that. And, um, uh, but basically, everything you see here, stick a dynamite, right? And so the chair, I think the chairs, all, me and the chairs are going to be the only two things left when we get done, right? So I'll still be here and the chairs will be here, but that's about it, right? So, um, so she basically wanted to just take everything out of the sanctuary, even take the roof off, go all the way up to the, to the kind of barrel ceiling there. And so we'll see if that's feasible or not. You know, it probably is because that's just, you know, not really a structural ceiling. It's just there for show. But don't you love it? It looks so wonderful, you know? Uh, but, you know, sometimes just time, right? Just time to, it's time to do it. You know, we've been fine here for, uh, I mean, we've been here since 2010, right? So 12 years, you know, so it's time. We've changed everything else in the building, right? Except for this room right here, which of course is going to be the most difficult one to do. So that'll require us to figure out what we do in some interim times, you know, and uh, do we meet somewhere else? Do we, you know, meet in the kitchen? You know, I don't really know. We'll figure it out. Um, anybody going to get mad because we figure it out? It's just the thing, right? Uh, it'll be here and be done before we care and know about it, right? So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you some more details. We'll show you some pictures of the thoughts of what we'll do and get some feedback from you guys. And, uh, but um, 
uh, we're kind of excited about doing it. I think it'd be good, you know, to get a good fresh update on the on the sanctuary here, right? Um, and because you know, like I said, I don't really care. I mean, you know, I could dirt floors and you know uh, candlelights fine with me. But some people, you know, kind of you know they like to have a nice place and. And I do like nice things, right? So all is well. We'll, we'll show you uh, when we get those details and get your thoughts on that. Amen. Well, have a wonderful week. And Lord, we'll see you. Uh, we'll actually see you guys next Sunday, right? So uh, we're still going to have church on Wednesday. And um, uh, unless, of course, it comes a monsoon, we'll let you know. But uh, generally, we will have church on Wednesday. And then Chris and I will be back to see you on Sunday next week. All right, you're dismissed.